Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. This is part three of our four preseason podcasts. But if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, as always, you can either tweet us at EPL Roundtable or email us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hey, man, what's going on? This is Rob from Razball.com. Uh, you can reach me at, uh, at Twitter on Smokey underscore Loogie uh, or at Razball.com. Hi, I'm Dave Hendrick from the Anfield Index. I co-host a show called The Happy Hour, and I have my own show uh, with Steve Gennaro called All In Sports Talk. You can find it at www.allinsportstalk.com. We talk about all sports, from cricket to rugby to American sports, you know, NFL, MLB, NBA, and, you know, pretty much anything you want to talk about. So tweet us at All In, at all in Sports Talk, and uh, let us know what you want to talk about. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. All right, we'll start with Rob. Uh, obviously, Chelsea have had you know not as much change at their club as you would expect from a team that's just won the title. But what have you made of Chelsea's movements this offseason? Uh, you know, they really didn't have to change much. I mean, the, what they have is the system that Mourinho wants. He has the players that he wants and needs there to succeed. You know, Mourinho likes guys that fit his system. You know, basically, they're all bus drivers, and then there's one like Snake, basically, is, is, is Mourinho's strategy. But they really didn't have to change much because they have effective players at every position for them, from what I can see. The, the key additions that I like, you know, bringing Victor Moses back and seeing how he's going to fit into that winger role is, is going to be a big plus for them. I think he's not going to maximize his minutes there, like on a smaller level club that he might. But he's going to be a good change of pace. And so far in the preseason, what I've seen, he's bringing a, an excellent pace to that wide, wide side. Uh what else do I like? They, like I said, you didn't. They didn't really bring in much. Uh, you know, all the talk was that they're going to bring in, the, you know, John Stones, and that never matriculated. Um, I really don't think they need him. You know, they still have the legend John Terry in the back. Um, but you know, you stick with what works. Um, from what I can see, it's working. Yeah, you mentioned Victor Moses. Obviously, there's a lot of interest in seeing whether Willian or Oscar will play that kind of 10 role at Chelsea. If we see Willian drift inside, do you think we would see more Victor Moses? I, I do, because I, I think uh, Willian has a better pace on the ball. And if, if anybody watched the game today, he looked brilliant in the first 15, 20 minutes of the game with pace and, and, and playing the ball to uh, open, open guys that he was able to facilitate play through him and actually dribble past a couple guys, then pass. Unfortunately, Arsenal's defense was just on point today. Yeah, I certainly was hoping for a different result, as I'm sure all Chelsea fans were. Um, we do know John Terry is getting up in age. Do you think the Johnstone signing will be a good one if it happens going forward? Oh, totally. They, they definitely need some youth infusion there. Uh, you know, I, I think we're going to see a lot of uh, Kurt Zuma get a lot of run this year. You know, he didn't, he didn't play excessively last year. I think he only played like 600 minutes. 
you know, and that was basically at the expense of Espulaqueta. Uh, you know, having two central defenders that are up there in age and veteran leadership, like Cahill's not that old, but Terry's old. They both played over 3,000 minutes. I think you definitely got to see some some youth in there, especially with all the FA Cup games and Champions League games. You know, t- expecting John Terry to have a year again like he did last year is fantastic if you're if you're a Chelsea fan because you, you're hoping that it happens. But as an outsider and a hater of Chelsea, you're probably like, there's no way John Terry's going to do it. And, you know, it's probably 70-30 that it, it, it will or won't happen again, you know? Yeah, and I guess kind of my last Chelsea-oriented question is obviously we saw Falcao today. Uh, didn't score, but maybe not that concerning for people. What role do you think he'll play with Loic Remy coming out and saying he's staying at the club? Uh, you know, Falcao's one of those guys. It's either Mourinho's going to turn him into, like, an FA Cup darling, and he's going to come out and he's going to score seven goals in six matches for, for them when, they, when they're going through the, the lower ranks of the tournament. And people are going to start noticing him more, especially from a fantasy fantasy perspective. You know, when when if people are into that kind of thing. But I just be, see him being used basically like like we saw Drogba was last year. He's going to be that that late insertion. We need a goal or a day off for Costa and Remy starts, and then he needs another. He needs thirty minutes from from Falcao. I I don't know how much he's going to do. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't score at least eight to ten goals. But in all comps. Yeah, all comps. But his usage in Premier in the Premier League games, I don't see a lot of it. You think it's like Costa, Ramey, then Falcao in Premier League play? Yeah, totally. Gotcha. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Obviously, a lot of people are making really lazy comparisons to Torres as like a former top-notch striker that that may have fallen on hard times, but. I think, you know, Mourinho's not dumb. He's bringing him in for a reason, and, and he wouldn't be bringing him in to not play him. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how he, he fits into Chelsea's plans going forward. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm anxious to see what he, what he can do. And he didn't look awful today. He, he looked a little lost, and he looked a little, like, like Like sluggish. a step behind. Yeah, he looked a little sluggish in the box, especially that one play where, it, where it had it, he basically had it right on his feet. And he was a little, if he was a little faster to react, he might, he might have done something more with it. Yeah, which is funny because that's that's you know what his strength was at, at both Monaco and and previously at Porto. So, yeah, I, I guess the hope is that that will make a return. Yeah, I mean, everybody's comparing uh, his situation to what you know Jay Rodriguez went through because they both had oh, similar injury. knee injuries. Yeah, and uh, you know Falcao kind of had got you know with the World Cup he was rushed into it and had to represent his country and blah 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 and had play and that and then Jay Rodriguez had the same same kind of injury but he sat out for longer so you know I'm if, if everybody's this anxious about Jay Rodriguez coming back you know maybe with an extra year Falcao might actually have regain half a step maybe two-thirds of a step but who knows it remains to be seen to be honest so Dave, obviously been a while since we've had you on and we have yet to have a Liverpool voice on this preseason. So have you been happy with the moves made? Obviously a lot of contention going on wrong, going on with all of the Benteke stuff, bringing in other signings like Roberto Firmino, who many are expecting to have a great season. Are you excited by what you've done this offseason and are you happy that Broj is still at the club? I'm not happy that the Broj is still living large at the club at all. Um, I just don't don't think he's in the right place at the moment to be the manager of a club. I think there's a lot of unprofessionalism going on behind the scenes with him and different things, both football and unfootball and non-football related. Um, but in terms of what we've done this summer, I mean, we've had a, a big summer, you know, we've 
we've signed uh, seven players again, having been told that there wouldn't be as much upheaval this year. <laughs> um, in, in good news, like to start with the good news, we managed to relieve ourselves of Iago Aspas, Ricky Lambert and Glenn Johnson, particularly Glenn Johnson. So that's good. And the fact that other people were actually willing to give us money for Aspas and for Lambert is also good. Um, for some reason, we cancelled the loan of Javier Manquillo. That made no sense to anybody except for, you know, a handful of sheep. And, and he is now, it's all well and good having Klein and Moreno at left back. But then that's the only two senior fullbacks you have at the club because Jose Enrique is no longer a football player. He's some sort of Instagram topless model. And John Flanagan just had microfracture surgery in his knee, so he mightn't play all season. So Mankio would have been ideal as your third fullback who can play both both sides. Um, we obviously sold. Now he's gone to Marseille, and I hope he does really well there. And I hope um, you know he rubs it in Roger's face personally. So we also sold Raheem Sterling to Manchester City. Um, I think they've massively overpaid. Like, don't get me wrong, he's really, really talented and he's going to be a great player, I think, down the line. But he's not worth what they've paid now. Um, and it's a, pretty much a guaranteed 49 million. But at the same time, we can't complain about clubs overpaying because they're putting money in our pockets so that we can overpay, which is what we've done for a couple of players. Christian Benteke is a good striker who will score as you know, a certain number of goals each season. But he's quite limited, he's quite lazy, he's not a really good fit with how we play. And I think, despite what Rogers comes out and drones on about with his philosophy, he's moved so far away from his own kind of philosophy. And what we've seen in the last two preseason games is lots and lots of crosses, which just isn't the way we should be playing at all. Especially um, with Coutinho and Firmino in the team. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, they're our two most talented players. They're the guys we should be building around. The striker we bought should have been somebody who was going to benefit. It should have been another a, someone in a similar vein to Sturridge because like, if Sturridge is fit, he should be playing in front of those two. And if he's not, then somebody else of a similar ilk should be coming in to play instead of him. Um like and the, the the thing that drives me mad. I know, I know you you have like a, a massive scouting mind. Who else do you think could have kind of filled that role better? Well, if you're going to spend thirty two million, you could have got Aubameyang from Dortmund. Now I know he signed a new contract after we signed Benteke, but you could have got him. You could have got someone like a Michi if you wanted a Belgian striker. Michi from uh, Marseille, really really talented striker. You could have gone big and gone after someone like a Lacazette. You might not have got him, but then there's Paul George's and Tap at Ron, who's Ren or Ron or however you say it. Uh, he's a really, really talented player that I really like. Um, I would have gone for Berahino. To be totally honest, I had this discussion with our good friend from Baggy's Facts, and I, I would have gone for Sado. Um, I think he is going to be a spectacular player. The more more I watch him, the more I think he's going to be spectacular. Uh, so he's he. If you wanted a Premier League proven player, he's who I would have gone for. Otherwise, I would have aimed big in Europe, um, because I think you know people say, "Oh, you can't get them without Champions League football." Well, people said we couldn't get Firmino without Champions League football, and we did. And Firmino's a huge signing for me. I'm delighted that we've got him. I wanted him last summer. I, I think I said it on on this podcast last yeah. summer. Um, he was the one I wanted instead of Lalana. We've actually gone and gotten him now. I think he's going to be brilliant. Um, it, but it, but he has to be used properly. He can't be wasted out wide, you know, 
just to play four three three so Benteke fits in. Um so that's gonna be interesting. Um I like the signing of Nathaniel Klein. I think for twelve and a half million it's it's a good good price. Uh he's young, he's English obviously and I think he's got a lot of talent that he's gonna develop. Now the question is how what's gonna happen to him defensively because every defender that's played for Rodgers has regressed quite startlingly uh, at Liverpool anyway. So that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, the Bogdan signing disgusts me, so I'll just move on past that. Um, he's the Hungarian number two. He was Bolton's third choice last year for a lot of it, like, appalling. Um, Danny Ings doesn't make any sense to me. You're paying, we're going we're gonna to end up paying the best part of £10 million through the tribunal for him. So... Like I just don't see what the point is if if you're buying a striker like we did in Benteke, and you've got Sturridge and you're bringing over Origi, then he's fourth choice. And if you're playing one up front, like I know he could play in the wide roles in a four three three, but at the same time, Firmino, Coutinho, Lalana, um, Ibe, like I just Markovic as well. I just don't know where he gets games. Um. James Milner is, you know, obviously people are talking a lot about Milner. I just, he's just not a player that inspires me to, you know, he's a, he's a good, honest player. He's a, you know, does a decent job, but I just don't see that he's a, he's certainly not a 150,000 pound a week player. And that's what we're paying him. And we given him like a four or five year contract and given him seven and a half million pound to sign for the club. So when people say he was free, he wasn't. He is going to cost an absolute fortune over the term of his contract, and like while while I like <clears throat> I like what he can bring to the team, I I don't like him as a centre midfielder. And people can talk about preseason all they want. We're playing against teams that would struggle in League One, um, and and he's you know he's playing okay. He's not setting the world alight, um, but the idea of him as a centre midfielder guaranteed, especially in a two with Henderson, that's uh, just terrible. Especially mm. with the defense that we have, there's nobody there that can, that's going to, you know, do anything defensively. Um, but you know, he's here, and you know, he, hopefully he does well. The, the issue is he's got an awful lot of mileage under his legs. He's been playing, you know, senior football since he was 16. He'll be 30 soon, so mm. you can't run. You can't run forever. If his legs give up on him, that contract's going to look really bad. Um, the signing that I think has kind of captured everybody this summer, though, is Joe Gomez, the young. Uh, defender we bought off Charlton for three and a half million and like he's just been brilliant so far in preseason and again I do have to caveat that by saying the teams are playing would struggle in League One and that's one of the strangest things about our preseason is that we're playing absolute garbage we have not played one decent team yet um, and we struggle to beat some of them which is kind of bad but um, <clears throat> but Gomez has looked really good and there's already you know, campaigns for Joe Gomez to start the season at centre back next next to Sacco instead of uh, Skirtland Lovren. So you know he he's really impressing people, and I think he's going to be a huge signing for us. I think you know I've spoken to some Charlton fans and they've made comparisons to the likes of Saul Campbell and mm-hmm. and that and said that this kid is going to be better than John Stones within a couple of mm-hmm. years. So yeah, I, I do. I I like half the business. I dislike a couple of the signings and a couple of the signings just are kind of meh. 
Yeah. I, I guess the question that I, I really have whenever I look at Liverpool, either from a fantasy or a normal perspective, is how are you going to fit all those midfielders in there? It seems like now Joe Allen and Lalana and, and even maybe Lucas Labar are now completely frozen out. Is that how you see it? Would you prefer if some of them were involved instead of having no. wingers? What, what are you thinking you'll line up as and who do you think will fit in there? Not only would I freeze them out, Kev, I, I would put them in some sort of cryogenic state. <laughs> in case you need them later. There. Yes, but just, in case they are ever needed to help repopulate the world, I would just leave them there. I wouldn't bring them out for any footballing reasons. Um, or Joe Allen, maybe, just because, you know, he's the English, uh, the English, uh, the Welsh Shavi, the Welsh Shavi, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's funny, like, um, we've got all these midfielders, but we don't have a single defensive midfield player. And... Well, if, if uh, you're talking about your boy Gomez coming through, maybe you could play Chan as your holding midfielder like he actually he plays? Could, but he'd, he'd have to, no, he'd have to learn to play there, though, because it's not his natural position, and it would take him about 18 months to learn it properly. And then you're kind of wondering, is that going to take away from the attacking side of his game? I'd actually like to see Gomez play there, because I, I, I think he has the the potential to transition into that role. Um, <clears throat> it's in, you know, it's just going to be an interesting thing to see. I Rogers loves Lucas Leiva and loves Joe Allen. And I, I actually think Emery Chan is going to be the one who misses out. And I worry about what's going to happen with him at Liverpool. I worry about what's going to happen with Sacco and Markovic. And basically the players that Rogers didn't sign, the committee signings that were brought in that, you know, he didn't either, either didn't, he hadn't heard of or just doesn't like, cause he, he wasn't the one that signed him despite the fact yeah. that, you know, some of his best players. I think I, I actually think he will in a in a pathetic attempt to try and prove that his signings are the ones. I actually think Lalana will start regularly. Of whom? Start. I think what the front three is gonna be is Firmino on one side, Lalana on the other, and Benteke in the middle. That does and not think, sound great. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And because number one, you're wasting Firmino Number two, there's no pace to run in behind Benteke and the two players you're playing either side of them like to drift deep and wide. They yeah. don't like to get in close to a striker and you know feed off little knockdowns and the like. Um, and I think he'll try and go with some variation of Henderson, Milner and Coutinho in midfield, which is fine when you have the ball, but when you don't have the ball, it's going to be an issue, uh, especially when your defence is as... as Appalling as ours. <laughs> yeah, I, I have. I'm, I've set the over under at Premier League goals conceded by Liverpool this year at 53. Mm. And if Lovren plays more than half the games, it's the over. <laughs> I, I'm confident it's the over. Yeah. Um. I've. I'm looking for someone who'll take that as a prop bet, actually. So I'm just worried because we've brought in Klein. He's, you know, he's obviously better than Glenn Johnson, but he's not great defensively. Moreno suspect defensively. Both the like Skirtle and Lovren are just clowns, mm. and the problem, the worst, the biggest thing is that it has such a knock-on effect because you don't put a holding midfielder who could protect some of the deficiencies of those two centre backs. So the two centre backs get exposed, and because they are exposed, then it exposes the deficiencies of your goalkeeper. Who anyone who watched Liverpool play last year and watched Simon Mignolet play behind the Skirtle Pebbles. Um, duo from hell 
saw a goalkeeper who looked like he'd won a raffle ticket and been stuck in goal because Liverpool were one short. <laughs> yeah. And that's the worry with him. And like we've gone out this summer and bought, brought in Bogdan. And like he's not going to be competing with Mignolet. He's not taking Mignolet's job. So you're basically giving a vote of confidence to Mignolet and saying, well, well this is your job now. And for me, it's just... It, there's a lot of problems. I, I, I think we'll finish fifth. Um, but sixth or seventh wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I that's kind of how we are as well. Yeah, and I think that's it. I think if you look at the group, the Liverpool, Liverpool and Spurs are kind of in the same position now. Although I would rather have your manager for the future than our manager for the future. But I think our squad is just ahead of yours in terms of t- the yeah. transition. Um, I think if you swap managers, I think we'd be a top four team. And I think you'd finish seventh or eighth. Yeah, that's kind of the um, difference in why we're level. Yeah, and I think what we'll see this year from Spurs is you'll see a lot more balance. He'll, I think he'll finally get his defensive setup right. The, the Toby and Jan defensive pairing with hopefully Trippier and Rose on the other side is the best defense we'll see at Tottenham for quite some time. Yeah, and even and the thing like even with it, there, there's a there's, there are there's a, a bit of a toughness deficiency in the middle, um, but I think they're good enough and smart enough, and they know each other so well to get round it. A lot depends on what protection they get from in front of them. Yeah. We, 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 holding midfield is still the thing we need this summer. Yeah. But you, your season will live and die with two players, Hugo Lloris and, and, Harry, Kane. Not, and Harry Kane. And whether, yeah. if, if United sell De Gea and come in and pay Lloris's buyout, I think you're in trouble. Um, and, yeah. and I, I, I think I, we'll be okay. I think he's staying this year. I think he's going to go next year. I, I do think he'll stay. Yeah, I do think he'll stay. Because I think he likes it. I think he likes the London lifestyle. Yeah. I think he likes being at Spurs. I think I think he likes the manager as well. Um, and it's a you know it's a handy trip. It's a hand, handy jump back to uh, to Paris from wherever he, whenever he wants to go and <laughs> whenever you know. uh, uh, whenever Sirigu takes uh, the job at Juve and then. Lloris can just go and yeah, sit cushy exactly. at PSG for the end of his career. And that's the for thing. Sure. I, think, I think that's what he's waiting for. And I've set the over-under on Harry Kane Premier League goals at 13. I'd take um, the over. I think it's 15 or 16. But it's definitely not 20, which some no, people it, are saying he'll get. I, I think he'll get figured out. Just because there's, there's certain weaknesses in his game where he's... But I, 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 think, I, I think he'll figure it out eventually. I think he just hasn't had to yet. But I think his defenders get to know him. I think he'll then get to know the defenders and he'll figure out weaknesses in their games as well. Mm. Whereas last year, he didn't have to do that. Yeah, it'll be a give and take. I do think that the reason we'll see the Kane drop-off might not even involve him as much, just that defenses aren't worried yet about Lamela or Chadley. Maybe they will have to be this year a little bit more and then as soon as Chadley really started turning it on is when Eriksen kind of started falling off. So if we can get those front four performing all at the same time, it might not allow defenders as much time to really focus yeah. on Harry no, Kane. But. We'll see. I totally agree. And you'll have goals coming from the wide positions. And as you said, actually, to be fair, the, the one one outfield player who will define your season is probably Christian Eriksen. Yeah. If, he's if he has a full season, yeah, yeah, there are a few better. He's spectacular when he's on form. You know, now that we finally have three people on from top six clubs, let's talk about the rest of the clubs. That was the plan that I had in my head for some reason. Wait, who's the third guy for the top six club? Oh, you uh, think Tottenham's the top six club? Oh, that's so oh, oh, for real? It's gonna, it's so gonna, <laughs> we're literally the sixth richest club. We're literally the sixth best club. That's, you know, I know my place. I'm not saying we're fourth. I get it. <laughs> so cute. Oh, so Rob, you're winning the title again this year, right? Which, t- yeah, totally. 100%. Okay, cool. 
the, which, which would you rather have, finishing first in the Premier League or finishing third in the Premier League and winning the Champions League? Ooh, big cool question. Um, I think I'll still take the, the, the local title. Yeah. I think the fact that you won the Champions League the few years back, yeah, totally. it's not as pressing a matter. Like you've already established yourself as a, a team, a club that can win it. Yeah. Whereas now, if you had got it, it, it'd be that one thing that everybody would hold over you. Oh, you know, have won in Europe, the way they yeah. do with Arsenal and Wenger. Like, oh, he never won the Champions mm-hmm. League. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Plus, and plus, since we're we we won last year, winning it two years in a row would be nice and be a nice bragging point. Hmm. And and you know, I don't know if Mourinho can live up to the glorious height set by the venerable Roberto Di Matteo, but if anybody could do it, I suppose the, it could the, be Mourinho. The great, the great Roberto Di Matteo. I mean, he's no AVB, by... but he's close. Um, they're going to put a Gus Zinnick freaking reference there for a second. Uh, uh, is there somebody from, from Watford coming on? Uh, we, we were meant to, but then it didn't end up panning out. He didn't feel well. But it would have been great. I'm really interested to see what they're doing, because I'm not sure if they're doing a QPR they're, or if they're they actually going to be, be good. They doing a spectacular QPR impression. Yeah, right? Signing a whole bunch of foreign players to come in that might not play well together. But... but uh, you know, Rob, I was talking about it, the fantasy thing. The idea of Kapu and Berami in midfield is a really interesting preposition, uh, but it, it could also it, spectacularly it fail. Yeah, yeah it, it'll either be really good or absolutely dreadful. There'll be no middle ground with that. Yeah, that, yeah. that's what I said on the last podcast, is I think they're either going to be in that like battle for like 14th up, or they'll be 20th. Yeah, um, I think when, when you're a club like that, though, you kind of have to swing for the fences. Oh, when, yeah. when you're buying, like... Especially with the increase of TV, TV money coming in next exactly. year. That's exactly what I was just going to say. They're bringing in just enough talent to, to play for $130 million is what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're aiming for 17 <laughs> The one thing that bothers me with what they're doing, though, is, like, they're spending a lot of money, but I, I always think if you've come up and you're going to spend a lot of money, spend it in your defense mm-hmm. and just, just be really hard to beat. Yep. And I think you'll, you'll pick up enough draws and enough scrappy ones, one nils and two ones to stay up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that they have the footballers to to try and play their way. Yeah, we spoke about this last week. I think that's what Bournemouth have done very well. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, I think they're my, they're my favorite that team. That Mings start. kid is a really good signing for them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, right. I don't think we're going to see teams come up in, in Blackpool at any time soon. I guess the class, the, the closest was kind of Swansea, because their first year up, didn't they beat Arsenal? Did they beat Chelsea, or they just played really well against them? I remember like the Scott Sinclair goal where he was facing the wrong direction, just kind of hooked it around. I don't know. It's going to be hard to just outscore your way to stay up in the Premier League. Yeah, I agree. I was just like, you have to find the balance. I mean, the reason Chelsea won the league last year is because they have the balance between attack and defence. And I, I still maintain Southampton would have made top four if they'd had more depth because they have mm-hmm. the balance. And I think that's what Spurs will have this year. They'll have balance. That's that's obviously what we're hoping. The, the Southampton thing was definitely interesting because I wasn't really expecting to um, see Tadic. I don't even really know why he was dropped. I'm assuming there was like a small injury and then he didn't work his way back in. But do you guys know why he was dropped? Yeah, I believe he was nursing like, like it was, I think it was a hip or a quad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like of. Philippe Juricic. I think he's a, a really good player. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, T- Tadic had an amazing first half. And then he yeah. was missing. And then Pele's goals dried up a little bit. Pele. Pele. <laughs> Not Pele. Pele doesn't play for... And see, then Schneidlin got hurt. Alderweireld yeah. got hurt. 
And yeah, and then they had Wanyama. to play Jack Cork, and then Jack Cork left, and yeah, and then yeah. Wanyama was carrying an injury, and and then one of the center backs got hurt too. Was it Toby? Yeah, Toby got hurt. Then they yeah. brought in Maya Yoshida more to pit. Yeah, Yoshida is an absolutely abysmal football player. He's he's spectacularly average for me. Um, <laughs> he's spectacularly average in fantasy. Is he still better than Pebbles for you? Mm. Um, well, the Pebble is a strange case, and it's still like you know when you have a preseason. One of the things that you should do in every preseason is your defense, your first choice defense, should always be on the field together. And if if you're playing like half a team, one half, another half, your first choice defense should always play together. Ours hasn't yet, but the the, the part that has includes Pebbles. And he is by far the worst central defender I think I've seen at a top four club in, oh, I'd say since William Prunier. And that's Ooh. going back to the mid-90s. <laughs> like, he's that bad. Like, he, he is absolutely shocking. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, well, it sounds like you think he should be more at a mid-table club, which is an excellent segue, if I do say so myself, into the topic, which is, uh, as we finally have representatives all from kind of top six clubs let's not talk about them and kind of discuss the mid-table sides and obviously there are a lot of teams that were kind of pushing last year Southampton were up there for a while then kind of fell off as we just mentioned uh, Swansea were very close to pushing their way up West Ham's in in thereabouts and Stoke have made a lot of improvements uh, do you think any of those clubs or any other ones have a chance of really pushing into that top six for, for the mid-table teams the two teams that I kind of like what they did this offseason that have kind of you know Last year they were like mid to lower table. I like what Palace is doing. I think that he's getting the party's getting the guys in there that can do well for him. Um, they're going to be an explosively offensive team. Defensively, I don't know, but going forward, they have super talent on the wings, strikers through the midfield. They basically set up the front seven is pretty freaking good. Yeah. Uh, the other team I, I like and I've been liking their moves as of late. It could be a sneaky one. Is, is West Brom? I think West Brom can do could could be doing something. You know, the, defensively, they're always going to be there. They're stout. <clears throat> I'm, I'm not going to say Ricky Lambert is the saver of West Brom, but mm. you know, it's a good signing for them, and it's an aid to to Berahino up front. That, but I'm I'm a little bit worried that it's going to be the replacement for Berahino, which I think drops them back down for me. Well, I mean, from what I was reading, you know, from from a lot of baggy writers, you know. They're they're happy that they might play a two forward system, there. From what yeah. from what I've been reading, you know, and 
you know, if you look at what other teams do, they have a big striker and a fast striker. I think that's basically what Lambert and Barahino are going to, you know, it's like Batman and Robin kind of thing. You know, like one has a utility belt and one wears a, a different colored cape, I guess. I, but I like what West Brom is doing. I, you know, I don't think they can get maybe top, top six. But if, if everything falls right and they get enough, you know, lucky two ones, one nils, you know, things could break their way and they can maybe. Yeah. maybe and, and yeah, and eight. they will set up very well to defend with, with Tony Pulis in charge. Mm-hmm. Dave, who do you think has a chance of really kind of breaking into that area? No, I, I agree with Rob. I think Palace have done really well. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Kabaye, but he, he is a good player, and I can see why Pardew would have gone and gotten him. Um, I think 10 million is a little steep for him, but just kind of when you consider age and 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 that. I, but I, you know, it's a good signing. Alex McCarthy is a really good signing for them. He could be a really good goalkeeper if he gets a good run of games under his belt. The signing of Bamford on loan from Chelsea, I. I I'm a huge fan. I think he's a really talented striker. I think West Ham will have done well. You've already mentioned them. And West Brom, obviously, as Rob said as well. The issue, obviously, with West Brom will be if if Berahino leaves. There are links to United. And he would fit in with what United seem to want to do in playing Rooney almost as a false nine with kind of two goal scorers either side. So if they have, say, Pedro, Berahino and Depay... Um, as three players that they can rotate in those kind of roles, and obviously Berahino could fit it, fill in for Rooney as well. I think that would make United really dangerous, and that would obviously crush what West Brom are hoping to do. Um, West Brom, for me though, will be somewhere between 11th and 15th because that's what a Tony Pulis side does. Mm. That's where they aim to finish. The one team I, I think that have slipped under the radar for a number of people are Everton. I think they've been clever this summer. Um, if you look at the signings they've made, they're, they're not big, splashy signings, um, but they've been intelligent. I mean, what people say what they want about Tom Cleverley, but the guy is an England international. He's a solid football player, and he can do a really good job in a midfield for a mid-table team. I expect him to do very well at Everton. To get him on a free transfer, really, really clever. Um, I like the signing of Delafeu. I think... He will bring a real unpredictability to that attack. I think it had gone a bit stagnant towards the end of last season. And I think with the pace that him and Lukaku have, I think they're really well set up to play on the counter. They've also got Morales there as well, obviously. And then they've got a quality midfield. If they, if they go with Barkley, McCarthy and Cleverly as their three midfielders, that's a midfield that'll give any Premier League three, uh, you know, a good runner for the money. Um, they've lost a couple of, you know, they lost Distan. I think they should look to bring in a centre back, um, especially if they end up losing Stones. Well, that's the big thing. That's that for them is what Berahino leaving would be for for West Brom. If Chelsea can claw John Stones away from Everton. Uh, that's that's huge. That's going to be a huge crushing blow. And the thing that stands in Chelsea's favour, and everybody's kind of saying, oh, look at Chelsea spending £35 million on John Stones. People are missing the point. They'd only be spending £20 million on John Stones because Everton already owe Chelsea £15 million from the Lukaku deal. So for, for, for a Chelsea point of view, if they've set their budget for John Stones to £30 million, they can bid up to £45 million because Everton owe them that massive amount of money. And I, like, I have to say, if, if 
if Chelsea do lock up John Sto- John Stones, and if they get uh, Baba Rackman from the you know the, the the young defender plays left back yeah. in Germany, like you're looking at Aspi Laqueta, um, Kurt Zuma, John Stones, and Rackman as For like a, a long term. Yeah. yeah, exactly a decade, and then you've got a young goalkeeper behind them. You've got <laughs> Loftus Cheek um, to eventually succeed Matic in front. And while people will, you know, take all the opportunities they can to take pot shots at Mourinho and say he doesn't build for the future, well, you know, open your eyes, he's building for the future now. So I mean, there's there's a lot of clubs. I mean, like I think Villa have done quite well with the moves that they've made. I I, I know people yeah. talk about them losing Benteke and and say, oh, that's going to be crushing. But is it really? If you think about, it, if you think in the big picture, he he was terrible for two thirds of last season. He was terrible the year before. So, yes, he does score goals in bunches, but if you can get a player in who can score you 15 goals consistently over the course of the season, then, then it's not a big loss. And I think they've done really well. Scott Sinclair is a solid Premier League player. He's not going to set the world alight, but he'll do a job. Yeah. Micah Richards on a free transfer, you can't argue. Gaillet is a really good player in midfield who's going to... Uh, replace Fabian Delph. They got Verito. He'll replace cleverly from last year's midfield. And people should keep an eye on him. He he's a good player. And then they went out and they got Rudy Gastede and um, Jordan Ayew to yeah. replace Benteke. So the one <coughs> signing they made that people need to keep an eye on: Jordan Amavi, the left back from Nice. Without question, a future French international. He's a really really good signing. I think Phil have done a lot of good business this summer. And while I'm not a huge fan of tactics, Timmy, hmm. I think he is good enough to get them to their best finish in a number of years. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I would say they'll be in the mix for <coughs> nine, 9 through 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I like think they'll be in the subset mix. of the mid-table, yeah. Yeah, it, it'll, be, it'll be like them, Stoke, Everton... And West Ham, I think, in that little... that They'll have their own little mini-league going on. I think Swansea might drift back into it, although they've had a good summer. And then Southampton will be the one who kind of pushes towards the top six. Mm. And then it just it's just a matter yeah, of what bringing happens. bringing in Jordi Classy for Southampton was oh. a great piece of business. But I don't know, everybody's kind of sleeping on it, but obviously already familiar with the system that he's going to be playing. And he's a, he's a top player for me to begin with. So. Exactly. And, and Stephen Colker on a free... Or on a, on I mean, loan, rather. Now, I mean, a lot what, of jokes going around about how Southampton are getting relegated because that's what Cocker does now, but he is a very underrated defender. And, and he's going to sit, gonna sit beside, beside the second-best defensive midfielder in the league now in Victor Wanyama. So that's going to help him. And they're still looking for another centre-back. Virgil van Dijk from Celtic is the one been mentioned. If they get him in, they'll, they'll be really good again. But to continue on with Southampton, are you guys worried that the... The extra games with the Europa is gonna is gonna affect them like it did Everton last year. Yeah, I mean they are a particularly deep side, which tends to be how you can tell. It's one of the reasons I'm concerned about Tottenham. Is yes, we're clearing out all the deadwood, but they were also our second eleven. Um, so I guess in that respect, it, it, I, I think it might be hard for them to keep up, especially at, at striker because they like to play deploying kind of Shane Long on the wing, and yeah, I, yeah Jay Rodriguez is coming back, but that leaves them kind of thin up front. Yeah, I, I'm just worried about the games, and we saw what happened to Everton last year when it, they just got injuries and dings, and it just yeah. really killed. And, it, and it's not just Everton last year; you can pretty much go back the past yeah. five years and yeah. isolate which teams are the Europa League teams based on how much further down the table they finished. 
Mm -hmm. um, I, I like that you guys were all mentioning Crystal Palace, a, a signing that neither of you mentioned, uh, Connor Wickham, a.k.a. Wickholdinho. I, I think also a good signing. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mentioned this at the Fantasy Summit that, that Rob and I were both at and uh, got some weird looks. But for me, Connor Wickham can do anything that Charlie Austin can do. Um, and putting him in a team with as many creators as you have there with Balassi and Zaha on the wings with Kabai behind him. Um, I do mimic the concern about the defense. I think Yednak is key for that defense, that he protects the back group. And I'm a little bit worried with kind of this influx of creativity that he was out on his spot. He, he missed a little bit of last year based on injury and then didn't really make his way back into the side. Um, and so if nobody's there to shield that back four, I'm a little concerned about that. Uh, but I do agree that going forward, they should be very good. And, and you know, maybe they'll, they'll go a little two-striker every now and again with both him and Bamford. But with bringing in Bamford and, and Wickham, you're turning the biggest position of weakness from Palace into one of their strengths. And I think that's one of the reasons why all of us think that they're probably going to improve this year. I do think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on Swansea because they did all of their business early. Uh, a lot of Portuguese fans think the Adair signing was way overpriced. But bringing in a secondary striker was an important thing for them to do. He's not going to play much. I, I fully believe in Gomes, uh, even in fantasy, despite getting a lot of pushback on that <laughs> as well. Um, Gomes for life. Uh, Andre Ayew, another great player. I'm not really sure what they're going to do with that position because they also have Wayne Rowledge to play there. Maybe they'll shift him to the right and kind of uh, play Dyer in a less uh, prominent role going forward. Um, Jack Cork did very well for them last year. I don't know how they're going to fill the void left by Tommy Carroll. But uh, I suppose John Joe has had a few good matches for them. Obviously, Dave, you know, he, he can be quite up and down. But when he's up, yes. he really can be a catalyst in that midfield. Their, their season will live and die with Gilfie Sigurdsson. Oh, very much. Um, yeah. How I took that long to mention him, I, I would Yeah, think. it's just all about how he plays. Um, the one attacker you, met, you didn't mention was Jefferson Montero. He showed yeah. flashes last year to suggest he can be a really good player in the Premier League. And if, if him... And AU can really hit form with Sigurdsson, then that's a very, very dangerous trio. I'm not a big fan of Gomes, but if if all you're asking him to do is hold the ball up and then get himself in the box to get on the end of crosses, yeah. then yeah, that'll suit him. Uh, there's questions over their defense. Uh, I just I'm not a big fan of what they've got I don't in know. the back. You, I, know I, 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 I like the Tabano signing. I thought that was a very good one. It's a good signing, but my issue is more in the centre of defence with, with Ashley um, Ashley Williams. Like, I know our friend Scott thinks he's one of the better centre-backs in the league, but for me, he's he's a long way from that. And the problem I have with Tabano as well is he's a left-back, and I think Neil Taylor's a fairly decent player. One of the better players, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's it's it'll be interesting. It's it's a big season for Monk. Um, the one thing I will say about, about him is, regardless of the defenders that they play, I think he organises them really well. <clears throat> I think that's the one big thing I've noticed. Like, if you watch them play and then watch Laudrup's Swansea and watch Roger's Swansea, you can see all the similarities. So he hasn't really messed with the style of play, but then watch them defend, and they've made, they have come on strongly in that area. Um, they, they've made the right moves, and obviously bringing in. Um, in Cork, you know, in January was a step towards that. I, I was actually surprised they didn't keep Tom Carroll, to be totally honest. Do you know what will be interesting? It'll be interesting to see if Michu does anything this year. Yeah, I I agree with you. He's kind of like that, that guy who needs to prove something because I think he's going to play for a transfer somewhere better, somewhere different next year. So I think he needs, yeah. he needs the minutes, though. That's the only thing. 
but like he had that unbelievable first season, mm-hmm. and then the second season he kind of got found out, and then he went to Napoli and he played like I think five games in all competitions. Yeah, it's just strange, strange. But a lot, a lot of players have that where they they come into the league and they have that great first year because nobody knows what they're about. Yeah, and, and then they, they all get figured, figured out. out. It's like and it's I'm like gonna... many. It's like a lot of sports. It's like baseball with pitchers. You know, pitchers can yeah. figure it out. You know, it's everybody. Get, everybody has their ticks and their gives and their tells. You know, it, it happens. Well, Kev's about to find find out all about that's, it. That's because, my concern uh, with Harry Kane. Exactly. <laughs> what I was mention. Hey, he yeah. looked good against. He looked good against the best league in the world, the MLS. Also. MLS. <laughs> to be fair, that was a great finish, and I still don't know how he didn't hit the defender on on the that trajectory, but. Was definitely an exciting finish. I think the other the other team that that we haven't really mentioned at all, but who I've really liked what they've done is Newcastle. Obviously, there's oh, kind of yeah. concern with the manager and stuff like that, but bringing in Mitrovic, Mbemba, and Winyoldum is all of those were great signings as is, and all of them were brought in for I think less than what I would have expected them to go for. Um, like Jake Jackman mentioned on the on the first one of these preseason pods. You know, the Mitrovic deal took so long because they kept assuming that somebody else was like a bigger club was going to come in. And then just no one did. Um, I think that's a great signing, uh, especially because Ayosa Perez can play any of those front three positions. So you're not really losing him or stunting his development as much. Um, Wignoldum, uh, is was an absolute beast for, for PSV last year and really was uh-huh. one of the driving forces of that team. And I think that's definitely going to benefit them. And their defense was kind of the shakiest thing. And bringing in Mbemba to, I'm assuming, plug in next to Colaccini instead of any of the Taylors. Um, oh, I think he might play right back. Instead of Yama? Oh, I didn't think of Yama. <coughs> Colaccini mightn't get in the team because, don't forget, they have Jamal Lachelle coming in as well. Oh, yeah, because he was on, and, was that a buy and, and loan? Was, and then they bought him back. and loaned him back, and he yeah. is really Very. good. And the one good, great thing about Mbemba, like, that people are overlooking is how good he's going to be for team morale because he has like four birthdays. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have plenty of... <laughs> lots of cake. You know, yeah, lots of cake and days out. You know, so go to the zoo and stuff. Uh, that'd be great, like. <laughs> well, birthdays notwithstanding, I do really like what they're doing, uh, especially yeah. if they can keep Sissoko. I know Jake doesn't really rate him and a lot of Newcastle fans are kind of iffy on him because he tried a Sterling-esque exit. Um, well, he's not very good. Well, he but he's fine for them. You know what I mean? Like if they sell him, that means they have to bring in somebody else. And their their signings in the past have been a little shaky. I am a huge fan of what they've done this year. I really am, uh, and do think that they could also kind of be in that nine to twelve mini league you're talking about. But if things yeah, click true. quickly, if Mitrovic scores day one and keeps doing it, there's no reason they couldn't be top eight. I am. Um, I actually like. Steve McLaren as a coach as well, and I think he's going to do really well there. Um, I think the biggest question for them is how does Sim Dion Dion fit in? Mm-hmm. How does Kabbalah fit in? Yeah. And can Czech Teote remember that he's a football player and not some sort of hatchet man? Because yeah. if he does, then if you put him and Sissoko in front of the defence, and then you can put Wijnaldum, Dion, and Kabbalah say behind Mitrovic and find a way then to get uh, Perez and and uh, Rolando Ahrens enough games. Minutes, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, they have a lot of talent in that squad. They really, really do. Yeah, a lot of young, young, young talent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, very young. Like, if you look at their 23 and under group, it's it's, it's up there with, with a lot of the better teams in the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's no Tottenham, but yeah, it's pretty good. Um. There's one other team I, 
you know, do you know who's done really interesting business this year, and people haven't really mentioned it? Is Sunderland. Sunderland. Yeah, Jermaine um, Lenz is so good, and everyone's about to find out. And eight million for him is a good is a good price. The the signing I really like is Adam Matthews, the fullback. They got him from Celtic. Mm. Um, far too good for the Scottish League. Should have been in the Premier League a long time ago. He's really good. I think Coates will do really well there as well. Um, mm. I I'm not sure why they signed Jonas Kabul. Um, I I think that he's fairly. He, he's know, done. He's he's lost. He yeah, he's injury, finished. He never got back to form. And they're signing Jan Mavia as well, who's one of my kind of favorite players who never kind of became what he should have been. Yeah. But if he keeps his head on, he's going to be really good for them as well. And I've so, always rated Seb Larson, especially from a fantasy thing, because you always want to get the people taking free kicks in corners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it like obviously a lot hinges on what hap- what happens with the Adam Johnson stuff, and yeah. you know that's another issue. But like they're going to have a full season of Defoe, Stephen Fletcher's fit again. They've got. Questions in the back, but they won't be playing Wickham on the wing, which was detrimental to both the team and the player. Exactly, yeah, totally. and it's it's going to be interesting to see with Advocate having had the preseason instilling his kind of philosophy and way of playing, and he's known as a drill sergeant. He's known as a guy who can organize a team. I don't think they'll they'll be in that ten, like nine to twelve, thirteen range. But I think they'll be a solid 14, 15, and I, I think they'll be safe. For the first time in years, like going yeah. to like March or April knowing they're fine. Yeah. yeah. Now on to Player Watch, where we'll be discussing players that we think may have breakout years for our clubs. Rob, obviously Chelsea have a lot of big names in, in the sport, but do you think there will be any players in a Chelsea shirt that have a breakout season this year? Yeah, It's, it's tough to actually pick a guy who's going to break out for Chelsea because they – they feature the guys that are all stars, and all, they're all basically stars at every position. But the one guy I think that can jump up in, in latitude this year is probably, like, Willian. You know, Willian was brought here because Mourinho's in love with him. He sees he sees what he can do and what he can bring to that position. And if he slides to the inside, like we, like we previously talked about, I think that he could facilitate more of the play going forward. And open up the wings for other players like the Moseses, like an Oscar on the outside, even Hazard if he plays if he shades, if he shades to that side. Um, kind of coming both from a, a fantasy background, who which of those players would you think are are the best owns? Out of Mo, out of Moses, William, and Oscar, mm. uh, I'd probably say it's probably going to be Oscar, only because people are going to recognize what he's done previously. A lot of premier, a lot of Premier League play, especially for fantasy is guys that have they people, you get a lot of people who are kind of noobs who don't really look at stats and understand what's actually going on they read last year's stats and fill out their facilitator roster that way and then they don't yeah. realize that William might actually be a better fantasy player this year right off the bat than Oscar there's probably two at Liverpool the one obviously the big sign that we made that I think will have a good season is Roberto Firmino um I I think he's one who'll really excite not just Liverpool fans, but fans of other clubs when they get to watch him as well. Uh, in terms of a breakout season, you know, as a young player, Jordan Ibe, just watch out for this kid. He is, I think he's going to be better than Sterling in the long run. Um, he's just got, he's got everything to his game. He needs to work on his decision making, but he's only 19, so that'll come. Um, but he's just, he's a phenomenal player. I, he reminds me of Alex, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. And if he can avoid the injuries that have plagued Chamberlain, 
I think he's going to be a really special player, and I think it'll start this season. Yeah, you mentioned Ibe there. Um, do you think he's kind of going to be more of kind of a cup hero than than getting to see time in the Premier League? Well, I, I think he'll be one of the first options that Rodgers will use off the bench because he's quite a versatile player. And what we've seen with Rodgers is that if things are going wrong in a certain formation, rather than try and figure it out, he'll just try and change everything. And a player like Ibe allows him to do that. But he can also play either side or in behind. He can play as a wing back. He can play as a full back if needed. So I just think there'll be enough games there in the league and enough minutes with players needing rests and suspensions and Liverpool love to get injuries. So I, I do think, and I think as the season shakes itself out, I think he'll play more than Lalana because I think it, Rogers will eventually ca- catch on like he did last season that he can't have Lalana and Lovren in the team. Plus there's always a chance that Brendan is sacked in November and Klopp comes in. And I think Mr. Klopp would absolutely adore young Jordan Ibe. Mm. Yeah, we've seen what he can do with especially forward players uh, going from kind of youth to stars. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So that's the big hope that Jurgen Klopp is in by Christmas. I don't even care if we're second in the league come Christmas. If Jurgen Klopp announces he wants a job, Liverpool should be all over him. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Uh, We are out of time, though. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug or tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Well, you can reach me at rasball.com every day, talking fantasy, daily fantasy, just wherewithal about footy. That's it. You can find me at, on Twitter at Smokey underscore Lukey. And just stop by, say hello. It was a pleasure talking to both you guys. I'll catch you on the road. And I'm Dave Hendrick. You can find me on the Anfield Index. I co-host a show called The Happy Hour. Um, that's out every week, sometimes every second week, depending Uh, I'm the angry Irish one, obviously. Um, I've also got a new show called All In Sports Talk. It's myself and the same guy I I co-host the happier with, Steve Gennaro, who is a uh, a joyologist to balance out my moods. Um, We talk literally all sports, and you can find us at www.allinsportstalk.com and find me on Twitter at DaveHendrick underscore AI. Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. I'm actually going to be on the podcast that Dave just mentioned this week, so definitely tune in for that. I'm also going to have some uh, weekly rankings coming out for Play Toga this week, as well as going to start doing uh, team updates. Uh, we had a, a team draft to see who covers what, and I got Tottenham Palace and Sunderland, so that might explain some of my uh, Sunderland compassion earlier, uh, but that should all be good fun, and obviously looking forward to the start of the season. All right, well, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.